Welcome to season four, Fostering Change, the number one podcast in adoption and foster care. You know, each week we speak to the most amazing good humans about topics that touch each and every one of us. If you have a guest suggestion or interest in sponsoring our podcast, please visit us at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, sit back, enjoy, learn, get motivated, and let's speak to some fascinating guests. You know, it's hard to believe we are sitting here in season four of Fostering Change. Wow. I remember after the first season, I was just like, okay, maybe a second season. And then I really remember about mid third season, I said to my producer, I don't know if I'm wanting to do this. And, you know, and, you know, we ended up getting an award, became number one again. And so now we're in season four. But what I'm really loving are the guests that we've had lately. And the guests that we've had lately, um, I always say that there's nothing better than when you interview a friend, when you're able to talk to a friend and have a really good open conversation. For those of you who follow us on social media, you know, we have Christmas in July. You know that we are so lucky to have our friend Jen Lilly, who she has brought so much love around the country and the world, not only as an actress, but for all the work that she does to help to make sure that children who are coming into foster care and who are aging out of foster care know that they are truly loved. And this is how I met my next guest. You know, I do this thing with Jen where I see that she does this Christmas camp and all of a sudden I see someone on her social media page and I'm just like okay I gotta get to know this guy he's funny he's kind he gives so much of his time and to say I really didn't know who he was and then I did my research and wow what an unbelievable human ladies and gentlemen please meet my friend Mike Provenzano and I've been practicing that I love that Provenzano so Mike welcome to Fostering Change thanks for having me Rob I really so, appreciate it so I want to jump right into it. Okay, first of all, you know, you're, you're a dad of four boys. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have four boys. I know what that's like. You are an award-winning actor. Yes, I am. Um, I've been blessed, you know, I got into this business about six years ago. And, you know, the Lord put me into this at, at the time of my life for a reason. And, um, you know, I'm a guy that when you're in something, you're all in, you know. And so when I got into acting, I was like, I'm all in and, and I'm going to do everything I can do to be the best that I can be, that I can be, right? And that's glared me a couple of awards here and there along the way, which is great. That is amazing. And first of all, to, you know, and not saying that you're old, but to be and coming into this um, seven years ago is very unusual. What was that aha moment to say, you know what, I kind of like this and I want to do this or I want to try out for this or I want to be, I mean, I just, you know, for me, I'm 55 and I changed my career after 28 years of banking and I knew that it was time to do that. But to get on a big stage was totally something I went thinking of. How did that just happen? Yeah, well, it was something I wanted to do in my 20s, but, and I tell this story the same way, I didn't have the confidence or the life experiences to do it, right? And so I just put it on the back burner, you know, and uh, I did the whole corporate thing. I was in uh, the technology realm for, you know, 20 plus years, and it was time for change. And 
I had no idea what I wanted to do, to be honest. And so I went and helped the buddy out in the uh, construction industry. He bought a design firm. I was done helping him. And one of the guys that came with the design firm is an acting instructor. And he goes, hey, you should go check this school out. And, you know, I said, are you blowing smoke up my, you know what? Um, and I was being dead serious. And he goes, no, 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 for real. <laughs> so I went to an open call of about 50 people. And I was the oldest person in the room. And the director looked around at the end of the night and said, we're going to invite four of you to our school. And I happened to be one of them. And that kind of started it. Wow. That is so crazy. That yeah. is like, you know, what I love about that is that, you know, here you thought about this in your 20s and you just kept that little dream in the back of your mind. And one day, you know, Mike, I want to talk a little bit about why you didn't feel you had that confidence in your 20s and and the path that you started on. And, you know, most people do not know. And by the way, I did not know until I met you is that, you know, you you have an a connection with foster care because you actually were in it. Yeah. I was in foster care from about the age of nine until 14. Now I was luck. I, you know, I was, I was blessed for how it was handled with me. We had a group home with 40 kids and that was the environment that two of my brothers and I were, were put into. And however, to answer your question, in my 20s, I was really good at my job. You know, I, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college and I started working. You know, my dad's like, you're not going, get your butt out there and start, get a full-time job. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I did. And I ended up working for a computer company as a truck driver. And I did that for six months and they're like, hey, you want to try purchasing? And I'm like, sure, why not? And so I went after that and I was really like, I could negotiate with presidents of companies. And I was like early 20s, right? Uh, we, I mean, I had a lot of clout because we spent a lot of money back then in, in the industry. But I think I was, I had no fear with regards to who I dealt with in any scenario. But put a camera on me and I was like my 17 year old is right now. And I was like, uh, can't do it. <laughs> Even talking about my job, that would, is what told me that I, I wasn't ready because I remember being interviewed on camera for my job specifically. And when you know your job, you should be able to talk about that pretty easily, right? I couldn't do it to the camera. That's all. I could talk about it to everybody else, but not on camera. Wow. So, you know, the fact is, is that I, I can understand that completely. You know, there's been so many laws that have been changed throughout our country when it comes to group homes. And, you know, you were in that group home for that period of time. And we're mm -hmm. seeing more and more group homes being shut down because of the laws that are passed across our, our lands. How do you feel about that? Well, I watched the home that I was with, Bethana Home was the name of it. And they I watched them close down their, their campus, right? And it was because once the laws changed, they found a way to keep it going and they brought in children that had been abused, had records and all that kind of stuff to help rehabilitate them. And that was working for a while until the kids started to abuse the people that were there to try to help them. And when that happened, they had to, they had to make an, a harder decision to stop doing that because other people were getting hurt. So it's... It's hard to watch that, but knowing that the goal is trying to keep families together is, yeah, I love that goal. You know, unfortunately, we all know that it, it can't happen in every scenario because it's just, it's not safe for the family or for the child. So, you know, you know, unfortunately, everything in the world changes 
because of finances, right? And that's kind right. of what dictates things. But it's, you know, to watch, like, you know, for me with Bethana, to watch them continue to flourish, even though that happened, is great because they said, okay, we can't do it this way anymore. We're going to adopt to a different format. And they did, and they're still around and they're still successful and they're still helping people. And that's like, is what it's all about. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of hate sent my way because I truly believe that we made a big mistake by closing group homes. You know, and I visited group homes in almost every state throughout our country. And I'm not saying that they're all the best, but, you know, we have children who are actually sleeping in offices right now, you know, that are sleeping on the floors of child welfare offices, yeah. conference room tables, because we're trying to make this point. And just like you said, I truly do believe that we should do everything in our power to keep that family intact. But you and I both know that that is not always the case. And reunification is not always what can happen. You know, when growing up in the system, and then all of a sudden you go back on it, and I'm assuming you went back to your biological family, yeah. or at least one of them, when you were in your teen years, has there ever been any type of animosity, the fact that you had to go year in those years times into that group home? And I'm going to say no immediately, okay? Because our scenario was our family split up. So my mom left when I was five years old and my dad had to raise five kids by himself. And so, you know, I was five. I had a twin brother who was five and I had a younger brother who was three. Then uh, my older brother was probably nine or 10 or maybe even, yeah, probably nine or 10 at the time. My sister was in early teens. And, you know, I don't have any animosity because my dad did it for as long as he could. You know, he kept us together for another four years and he just couldn't continue that way anymore because, I mean, granted, <laughs> nine-year-old kids are a pain in the butt, right? <laughs> and they're all over the place, you know? And and he worked nights because he, he was a bar manager for 15 restaurants. So he... He had to be gone because that's the way he, he earned a living for us. So, and we had housekeepers and maids and live-ins and all that stuff that helped through, you know, during those times uh, when we were home. So I never felt any animosity towards my father. I was disappointed towards my mother and for all of that, but, you know, you know, never towards my father whatsoever. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, listen, you know, you also are an actual author as well. And um, I actually got a copy of your book. Love, 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 Roxy the Reindeer's Magical Christmas Journey. You know, people who know me know that Christmas is one of my favorite, favorite times of the year. I think we probably have four trees up this year. And so we, I mean, my kids as they were growing up and, you know, now I have teenagers and, you know, one child who's actually, you know, an adult, you know, I don't think they ever grew up by the way, but <laughs> they always have said growing up that the, that our home is like a winter wonderland. So listen, everyone, when we come back, we're going to talk about Roxy the Reindeer's Magical Christmas Journey, how you can get a copy, how your copy can truly help give a child in foster care a copy as well. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, 
Comfort cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. Well, you know, I say this every single week. It is so great to have a good conversation, to learn about people's stories, because you never know how their story could actually impact you today. And then so much education that we are taught each and every day. You know, I love everyone's opinion, and I love the fact that not everybody agrees with my opinion all the time. And you all show that. And But what I know with my friend Mike is the fact that, you know, he is a guy who gives back. And Mike, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen you come to our national center and pack cases. I've seen you load your car up and take cases to, you know, in the agency that you're connected with. I have seen you give, you know, books to our organization without asking for anything. And so this is what I want people to do. So Roxy, the reindeer's magical Christmas journey. Mike, first, I want to know what made you decide to write this children's book? When my youngest son, Ethan, was smaller, I had a, a point in the two. It was like, I'm going to tell you a bedtime story every night. The best thing an actor can do is have improv by making stuff up every night. And so one night I said, you know what? We do this all the time. Let's record one. So I turned my phone on, I hit record, and I just do the story. So when I was done, I, I he goes, well, why'd you do that? I go, what do you think about making it into a book? And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. And the fun part was that even though we continued to, to have bedtime stories, he became engaged with the story. So when he, he was three or four years old, the stuff that was coming out of his mouth made no sense to the story, but it was fun, right? But with this, it was, hey, let's see how it goes. And because I love Christmas so much, almost, you know, Probably a little more than you, Rob, I, I will say. Um, <laughs> we were on the news years ago for our Christmas display. I'll just say that. Wow. Um, yeah, you're, and I'm back in back in the early 90s when that happened. So, but yeah, putting it together was just, it was a lot of fun. And I had someone look at it and go, here, fix all this stuff because I'm not, a, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, my first one. And I really spent a long time trying to find an illustrator and hunted and hunted and I'm like man this is expensive and nothing was resonated with me with all the different pictures that I was receiving until I was talking to my buddy and his daughter Colleen who was about 16 at the time was into doing this type of stuff and I said let's do it and she created the all of the characters that is amazing. I love that. And and I will tell you the illustration, good job for her. I mean, 16 yeah. years old and she did this. It's great. And I do know finding an illustrator is probably one of the hardest things. You know, I've, I've written two children's books so far, one that could just got published and that was the hardest thing. And they are very expensive. You know, listen, everybody, the book is Roxy, the Reindeer's Magical Christmas Journey. Um, you can go to Mike's website, which is my Mike at miprov.com and be able to order this book. If they order this book, Mike, will they be able to have about what is delivery time so they can make sure that it's under the tree for Christmas or maybe what I would, you know, we do this at our family and my kids are even so old now. They're like, dad, I can't believe we still do this. We always read a book on Christmas Eve. 
Mm-hmm. And so it would be kind of cool, everybody, if you were to get this book so you could read it to your little ones and even your older ones on Christmas Eve. What's the turn time, Mike? If they if so, they it's it's pretty quickly because you can get it either when you go to my website. You can there's a lot of choices on how you can buy it. You can buy it on Amazon or Barnes Noble and all those sites. But I also have an Etsy page, and the Etsy page allows it to ship from me which also allows to have a little autograph signature, a little little note inside the cover. I love that. I love that. I love the fact that you can get it signed. I know of other children's authors who I've spoken to teachers who have gotten the book and given it to their children. And they're just like, oh my gosh, the person actually signed it. Absolutely love that. Listen, Mike, you are, as I say, you are a good human. And I am so, so, so lucky for my friend Jen and your friend Jen that she introduced us, that we have been able to become friends. And we have a long, long, long path of friendship going on, my friend, because we have a lot of kids who need you and I. So everybody, listen, you can pick up the book, Roxy, the Reindeer's Magical Christmas Journey. You will actually see my friend Mike again, because Mike's going to do a little bit of co-hosting with me, and it's going to be a fun conversation. Mm -hmm. So until the next time, keep doing what you do. Smile to that person. Thank that person. But always remember to be a good human. Take care. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.